You're listening to Do What You Want Radio, a podcast series for creative entrepreneurs, freelancers, and those ready to learn how to do what they want. I'm your host, Jordan Heffler. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Do What You Want Radio. Today, I'm Skyping a friend of mine and fellow photographer, Amanda Raymer. She specializes primarily in portraiture and fashion and stylized photography. Um, so, hey, Amanda. Hey, Jordan. How you doing? Good. Um, I'm excited to get to talk to you about this kind of stuff because you primarily work in a studio setting and that's what I think a lot of people have questions about. Yeah. Um, studio is a lot of fun. It isn't, you know, it isn't necessarily super well known in this area. So it is something that is, um, I guess a specialty to have. Yeah. So tell everyone a little bit about where you are and like what you do. So I am set out of Lafayette, Louisiana, but I travel, you know, around Louisiana for necessary, you know, for necessary jobs. But my main studio is in my home. I turned my um, home, my apartment, my spare room into my studio. And um, it's been a work in progress. It's been maybe seven months since we've moved here. And I've been like kind of getting the basic necessities and learning about lights and, you know, just like really diving in. And so my spare bedroom is where I do all my beauty and headshot and like portrait photography. Yeah. And so what are some of the, the, the clients and projects that you've gotten to work on? Um, so I range from doing products for fellow entrepreneurs and I try to keep it within my niche, but it doesn't always necessarily happen because you have to take jobs where you can. Right. Um, but I like to stick with, you know, I kind of say the girly things. Um, I like fashion. I like beauty. I like makeup. Um, not necessarily doing all of it, but I admire the art that goes behind mm-hmm. application and hairstyling and wardrobe de- um, designing and all that kind of stuff. So I like to really be able to capture that. Um, so those are the tr- kinds of clients that I try to get here, but not, you know, we're not New York or we're not LA. So the jobs are limited. Yeah. So do you primarily work with, um, individuals who want like beauty headshots and stuff, or is it more so like boutiques and like models or, or brands? Um, it's a mixture. So for yeah. my portraits, I'll get more of the average everyday person. I don't want to say average everyday person, but not necessarily a model, mm-hmm. um, but they want their portraits or their headshots to look like they were taken by maybe Vanity Fair or Marie Claire, okay. those magazines. So I, we kind of talk, we learn about what they want their portrait session to be like, and then I'll develop a concept and I'll refer them to the, my preferred beauty teams that I work with. Um, and we develop, this um, style for them for their portrait session. Um, on the product side, I work more with um, the business owners and things like that. Did that answer your question? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, well, and so I'm curious how you got into this because studio photography, well, I mean, photography in general um, requires a little bit of gear knowledge, but you can usually get by with what you have for a while. But with studio stuff, you kind of have to have some sort of um, gear and stuff set up. So how did you get into the the studio photography world? Um, a lot of just trial and error. Um, I started shooting. I've only, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I've only been shooting since 2017. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. I bought my camera only like two years ago. Um, and I started shooting and I was outdoors of course, because I can't afford all of the gear. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I quickly realized that I'm a control freak. <laughs> and studio is good. Studio is where I just, after doing a lot of research and learning the difference between natural light and studio, I'm like, I just naturally gravitated towards it. That's um, so funny because I'm like so opposite. <laughs> I know. And that's something that I admire about you because, and a lot of, you know, natural light photographers, because you have to go with the flow and kind of, you can't control your light. And that's something that I really, I don't want to, you know, point out my weaknesses, but I hinder with because I'm a control freak and I love knowing exactly how much light is coming out of my strobe and how um, this, you know, diffused it's going to be. And I can control every single element. I can create wind if I want. I can take it away. Right. I love it. Well, you can create your own world in a studio. Um, like you said, like down to like the, the levels of how much light and where it's positioned and, and what kind of shadows fall on here and, and I learned a very little, I mean, I talked about this in my episode with Kyle Zedeker. I learned very little studio lighting at LSU, and I really haven't had to use it since then. Um, primarily what I do is natural light, but there are times where I'm like, that is my weakness, is the opposite of you, is that I don't know artificial lighting as well. And I'll use like a ring light or just like a clamp light for to really create existing static light that I still yeah. shoot as if it was natural, you know? Um, but like with strobes and stuff, it's another, it's another world. So tell me a little bit of the kind of setup that you have and like how you, um, use those things to make the portraits you do. So for my portraits, I use similar to a beauty setup. Okay. Going into, a, um, like if you're a model and you're going into a beauty campaign shoot, you'd have very high key lighting. So I have one really big, um, umbrella that acts like the sun. And I keep it um, with a silver back lining. Mm -hmm. And so that gives a lot of contrast, which is going to give you really nice um, contouring naturally without having to go into Photoshop and add all that in. Um, so that's my main light. And I have it positioned kind of like the sun directly hitting their forehead. Um, and then I usually have some kind of backlight um, that I have through um, diffuse softbox. And that is actually with, I mix a strobe and a speed light. Um, which is very interesting to learn how to do, by the way. Um, but so then I usually try to put a gel on mm -hmm. my light though, because I love adding that color in and I don't necessarily like adding color in and post. And so that's my like compensation, of, you know, and I love just playing with gels. They're so much fun. Well, so explain to everyone listening as if they're like your grandma and they don't know anything about this. Explain to them what strobes, speed lights, and gels are and the differences and what they do. Okay. Um, so if you learn anything about lighting um, in studio gear, they treat lighting like buckets of water. And so with a strobe, you have a larger bucket of water that you can throw out into the area and have it dispersed. A speed light is a smaller amount, a smaller bucket. It doesn't hold nearly as much water as, say, a strobe. Mm -hmm. um, and so whenever you're firing off a strobe, you're only going to get that small burst of light. Um, now, you can bring in modifiers, and I guess, you know, for if I'm speaking to grannies, um, <laughs> a white wall that I can bounce the light off of to kind of disperse that light to make that one bucket of small water go further. Um, and that's kind of a cheaper way to, for beginners to learn because strobes are significantly more expensive than mm -hmm. speed lights. 
Um, but it's because they give you so much more power and you can have so much more control, um, with the strobe. Um, and I used my speed light for everything when I first started and I had a very small, cheap umbrella. Um, and I was like, why am I not getting this beautiful light? Like I see in these, you know, magazines. Mm -hmm. And then I it's because I need a strobe. I need a powerful light source and I need also a powerful umbrella to bounce all that into. Um, I don't know. I think I've strayed away from your question again because I tend no, to you're do. fine. Explain okay. what gels are. Gels. Okay. So basically it's like colored cellophane or colored saran wrap and you wrap it around your, um, either your speed light or your strobe and it wants the light cuts through that gel piece of fabric, it turns your light a cut that color. So mm -hmm. if you put a pink um, gel over your light, it'll turn the light pink. And then you can also control that by softening the light by putting it into a soft box with diffusion, or you can have it harsh and put it um, bouncing maybe off of the white wall and casting a softer light, but it's not going to be as soft as a soft box. Mm -hmm. I used to have a lighting kit and it had a little bit of all those things that you mentioned in it. And I found that the the strobes would never fire wirelessly when they were supposed to. So uh, I kind of just quit. And so now I just use like exit, like I said, um, like continuous lighting or something to make it look like ambient light. But I have so much admiration for people like you who, if if you're listening and you don't realize like what your your model is sitting in is not the lighting situation that the photo is going to be taking because the lighting doesn't go off till you push the shutter. Mm -hmm. So it can be so hard to meter and to, to, to see, because I'm so visual, like when you're shooting with natural light or continuous light, you see the scene in front of you, like right. as is, and you can just meter it that way. But when you're in a studio, it's just like this empty, normal fluorescent lighting or whatever dark space. And then the strobes make all the difference. And then it's so hard to meter and to do. So talk a little bit about your process with that. Um, trial and error. I don't meter properly. Mm -hmm. Um, I've kind of learned through just test shooting and working with my gear, figuring it out, mm -hmm. what settings work best for me and for the style that I want to go for. Um, uh, because I've never taken a single, I guess, photography class. I'm completely self-taught except for the few courses that I have purchased for studio lighting. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just, I don't know, I do everything through trial and error. I'm just figuring it out through my mistakes well, with digital, it's so easy to do that. With, not easy, right. but you know what I mean? It's so much more beneficial because with a film, you couldn't see what your result was instantly. And it was too expensive to really mess around like that. So film mm -hmm. photographers really needed to know metering and and um, their f-stops and their everything, their shutter speed. And we learned all that when I went to photography school. And so little of that I actually use now. Sorry if my professors are listening, but like... I am the same way. Like, I kind of know it's a overcast day. She's standing this far from me. I'm using this lens. I already kind of have an idea what the ISO and the shutter speed and the F-stop is supposed to be at. Um, same thing with music. I kind of know, like, wh what I need to have it set on. And so I kind of just look at it on my screen. I'm like, all right, it looks good or whatever. And then I adjust it as, like, in manual mode as I shoot. Um, and the other day it was funny because I was at a shoot and this guy was helping me do something and we used some sort of a filter and he was like, oh yeah, why don't you put this filter on? It's like two stops down. And I was like, wait, are people still like, I don't even yeah. think in terms of stops anymore. I'm just literally just like shooting because it's just like 
whatever happens happens and I have kind of just been able to meter the situation like in my own head without actually like metering it and when he said it's just two stops down I was like wait are people still like actually like doing that sliding scale of like the stops versus the the um the shutter speed and it, I thought mm-hmm. it was funny no actually it's funny that you say that because since I switched to studio lighting I'm learning more about f-stops and um your depth of field and all that I'm learning so much mm-hmm. more than I ever did outside um and I'm actually purchasing one of those filters that you just talked about because yeah. in studio lighting, you really want that harsh light for what I want, for what I want my images to come out for. I want a big bucket of water being just splashed out, but it, um, but I also want my background and my um, to be kind of soft. I don't want it to be so, I have to you know really bump up that um, f-stop to get my um, exposure correct. Am I making sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, because I'm having so much light come through. I have to, you know, adjust in this, in the camera, but I right. still want to soft. So I'm using that filter to dull, to take out two stops of light so I can still keep my nice soft edges. Yeah. And that's exactly what he was using. And I don't really use a ton of filters. I have like a um, cross screen filter I use for things where there's like light sunburst and stuff. But other than that, I don't really even have like UV filters. And if you're listening and you're like, Oh, shame on you. Probably so, but I'm not, I've never been a gear person, which is why I kind of wanted to talk to you. And I kind of got into gear a little bit in that episode with Kyle and uh, Jen Devereaux as well, two other photographers. But, um, so much of what I do is just based on like experience and trial and error that I don't even think about the gear. And so sometimes I forget that there's, there's tools out there that I can get that would make my job easier. I'm just so used to doing it the way I do it that I'm just like, oh. So when I was at this shoot, um, I needed a filter for something for in the background. And one of the video guys had one for his camera. And so he helped hold it in front of my camera to and just held it because it was a bigger filter than what would fit my lens. And that's when we were talking. And he was like, yeah, put it down two stops. And I just thought it was funny because now I'm just so used to just like wildly scrolling my my f-stop or my shutter speed like just based on like the way I feel it should be I don't actually look at the numbers anymore really to see if it's like actually proportionately balanced for the metering um so once again if anyone's listening and I think that's bad oops (laughs) I don't think you're alone on that though I think you know super technical photographers that that's like what they want their brand to be known for they Mm -hmm. and they of course know their numbers and their f-stops like the back of their hand but I think if you know what you want your images to look like, you don't have to worry about exactly what f-stop you're at or actually what ISO you're at. Like you can, you can make your own formula for what you want. Yeah, and like I mean, now that we like I said, you can you can monitor it digitally. I can instantly look at that photo and be like, oh, that was too bright, or I have too much light. And it is harder in certain situations. Like concert photography is really hard because the lighting is changing every second, and it's completely out of your control. That's what makes it fun. But you kind of just get used to like, okay, well, the lights just turn on real bright. So I'm going to like quickly scroll my thumb over to make the f-stop, you know, um, a higher number. So that way I can like, you know, make it not so bright. But then it vice versa, if it gets dark, then I'm scrolling it over. And I'm just doing it on the fly. I'm not even looking at the numbers. I'm just wildly (laughs) scrolling until it looks the way I need it to. Because you're in the moment. You don't have time to sit there and do a bunch of math for your, your, uh. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. Your proportions and all that. Um. Yeah, I, I realize that this episode is going to make me sound like an idiot for everyone that does know what they're talking about and is listening. <laughs> but, oh, well, I know what I want it to look like. <laughs> no, and that's, I mean, I was kind of nervous to talk about studio lighting because I'm not an expert. Like, I'm still learning very much. Uh, no, you're fine. Well, I think 
because, I mean, when we were talking about doing the podcast, I think it was a great idea for us to talk about studio lighting because I know that's what you pretty much specialize in. And the mm-hmm. fact that you are learning makes it fresh in your mind. Like, I couldn't even tell you some of the things I'm supposed to know about photography because I learned it so long ago. Like, I don't even, right. you know, so it's kind of nice that you're learning and you're figuring it out because you know what you're talking about. Um, so if someone were to get into, like, studio photography, what would be some of the top things you think they should invest in? Um, it depends on... What if you already have a style down, then that's going to sway you in a certain direction. But if you have absolutely no idea what you're wanting to shoot in the studio and you just want to start, um, I think the best things to start buying is a, a um, white seamless paper mm-hmm. roll, um, preferably one that is probably like five feet long. Because that'll give you enough for a portrait, but you can't do full body. But mm-hmm. you can really practice with smaller to medium size objects on that. Um, and then invest or make your own V flat. And a V flat is basically one side; it's a large, um, it's a large white panel, and on the back it's a black panel. And so you can fill light, or you can retract light with the negative fill. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really comes in handy whenever you're wanting to sculpt or build up your, um, shadows. Um, next would be depending on your budget, um, will depend on the modifiers that you're going to want. Um, I would suggest, I guess, going, sticking with an umbrella because an umbrella will give you the option to have a harsher light without the diffusion. Or you can tack on the diffusion sock and you can kind of soften the light up that way. Um, Or if you know you absolutely want soft light and then you can go with a soft box. And that will give you a rectangular shape instead of a round shape. And that can be sometimes easier to work with um, because it's more like a window. So are you you suggesting using these things on a speed light or a strobe to start? Um, I would say a speed light to start because they are easier to learn how much like – how much light is coming out of it and kind of understand um, working your camera with an off-camera flash. Uh-huh. I think it's easier to figure out what your shutter speeds need to be um, to where you don't get half of your frame cut off um, and all that stuff. Because on a strobe, it's going to have more buttons and more things to get you confused. And I think it's a speed light and it's cheaper. Yeah, and they're portable because you can use they're them on your camera or on a stand. Right. Um, uh, what did, you said about how half your pictures cut off is what is the um, the minimum shutter speed that a flash can do again? Is it two fifty? Or I mean, the fastest uh, or something. I like usually don't go above two hundred. Yeah. So something like that. That's when it causes it to um, to have half the the photo like black, right? It's because yeah. you're, you're shooting like your shutter speeds too fast to catch up with the, the amount of time it takes for the light to flash. Correct. Um, that's can be fun sometimes. <laughs> it can be fun. But whenever I first started, I went to a shoot and, um, I really didn't have that much control of the light yet that I've had. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, my first instinct was bump up my F stop or not my F stop. I'm sorry. My, um, shutter speed. Yes, my shutter speed. Thank you so much. Um, And I I did that, and I saw, you know, half of my screen going. I was like, what is this? Like, it's broken. 
what is going on? Like, what did, what did I do? Did I break something? And um, I'm the only photographer there. I had a model. I had a stylist. And I was just, like, testing. And they don't know what to do. They don't know how to help me. So I'm just like, I can figure this out. Okay. And I was like, just maybe I'll lower that, oh, that um, shutter speed again. I was like, oh, there we go. That was the answer. That was my problem. So yeah. everything I've learned, trial and error. I find that I have that issue, not exactly the same issue, but I still have it um, when I'm shooting with fluorescent lights, like if I'm doing like something at an event and it's just you're using existing lighting or even with like neon specifically, because those lights are pulsating at a certain mm-hmm. speed. Like, I don't know the science behind all this, but I just know my shutter speed would be too fast or something. So then it would have like lines or just bizarre lighting defects. Um, and it can be kind of fun depending on what you're going for, but Overall, it's, like, frustrating. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, so talking about, like, that kind of mishap, what other, I mean, if you're comfortable sharing, what other, like, strange, embarrassing mishaps or problems have you had, like, when trying to shoot? Because I always have a ton, too. But Oh, my goodness. So Learning Studio has been such a, um, a roller coaster. I've, I finally figured something out with my gear, and then I – I figure out there's something else that like I have to mm-hmm. work around. I'm like, Oh, I fixed this problem, but then it created another problem. Um, so I've learned a lot about, you know, how I have to use, um, larger lenses mm-hmm. at, um, instead of maybe like a 35, I have to go with like fifties and eighties fives. Cause I have to be so far away from my subject because of all the gear that I have to put in front of me in order to get to my subject. Um, so my first beauty shoot, um, I was with my makeup artist and we had this beautiful look or whatever. And I wrap her in this, I guess, kind of like a sequiny tool. Mm-hmm. And it was glittery. I'd say more than glit- sequins. It was very, very glittery. And it got everywhere, literally everywhere. It got all over the backdrop. It got on my camera, like it got in the lenses. It was a bad time. Um, and so that was the first thing that went wrong with that shoot. And then the second thing, um, I hadn't figured out how to properly bounce my light around yet in my, with my strobe. And so I was using, I knew I needed more light and I wasn't getting enough light from my strobe, my, uh, flash, ah, my speed light, <laughs> flash speed light, same difference. You know, all the things. Um, I wasn't getting enough light from my speed light. So I brought in the beauty ring to try to mm-hmm. fill in that light. And because, you know, the screen on the back of your camera is so small, I didn't realize that the temperatures were so off. Oh, yeah. And then you have to go and edit it all. And I get into post. And I was like, why is half of her face blue and half of it orange? What is going on? And then I also tried to like throw in a gel in there and it was like, it was color mess. Um, I like half a face blue and orange. It sounds on brand for me. But it wasn't like an attractive <laughs> blue and orange. It was like fluorescent. Like sick. Like, yeah. Like when your skin's blue and you're sick. It was pretty bad. And then she also had like this golden, very tone, like very warm tones makeup on. So it was just super weird with that blue light that I had, and it was a wreck. And I always feel bad whenever um, I have things happen like that because I have people taking time out of their lives to 
do this makeup to sit there for me and practice mm. and all that stuff. But it's all learning experiences on everyone's end. Oh, yeah. Well, that was my issue when I had the lighting kit. Like, it always worked when I was alone. I would set up, do self-portraits, no problem. Strobes were working. Everything's great. Everything's syncing. Anytime I tried to bring it to a shoot and had to have a client, it never worked. I don't know what the problem was. I, I don't know if it's like God that's like, you should stop using artificial light because you suck. I don't know. But it just never worked. And so I always felt like I was wasting everyone's time. And what do you do? You're just standing there fiddling, trying to act like you, you're like, oh, everything's you know great. Swing. We're under control. We're, we're good. And then like it just doesn't work. And you're like, never mind. We weren't going to use that anyways. We were just going <laughs> to shoot natural light. And so I never got in the hang of like doing that. And so I just kind of use like I literally have a clamp light from Walmart. It was like five bucks with an LED light bulb in it. And a lot of times I'll just bring that and that works or uh like a ring light is great yeah but um so so much props to to you but it's also at the same time if you have a studio set up it's easier to keep things working because they're there um and I was trying to bring things around all over town and it wasn't working yeah I don't I have yet to bring my strobe out of the studio yet I'm afraid to my speed light leaves with me all the time Mm -hmm. but I'm very afraid to bring my strobe anywhere um, even though I would say that my strobe is more consistent with firing than my speed light. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's because of the brand of strobe. What strobe did you have? Oh, it was a whole kit from Cowboy Studio, which is supposed to be like one of the cheaper ones. It was a starter kit I got for Christmas, and so it was okay. great to, to learn with. Um, but it just only consistently worked probably for six months and just never did again. Gotcha. It was a very, you know, beginner kind of thing. Yeah. I understand that. Um, And I would say, like, my speed light, it's a more beginner speed light. So I think that is why there is a firing mishap every now and then. Because that's another thing. Like, I would have, I test at home, I do, you know, my self portraits, figure out my lighting, and then I'd have model and makeup artists come and we practice some shots. And then my halfway through the session, it stops firing. And I'm like, yeah. Why? It's like, I'm afraid to touch anything. I'm afraid to change batteries. I'm afraid to do anything. I'm like, please and just then, work. Well, learning, it takes apparently so much power to fire those things mm. that like if your batteries are not fully charged. It's not gonna, Yeah. it's not going to compute. Yeah. I, um, I use a, just a speed light on my camera, you know, and on off camera flash, but on the camera, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. for events yeah. and stuff. And I hardly ever have to use it. I'm lucky where most of what I shoot is it's unnecessary, but when I do have to use it, I'm always shocked at how many batteries I got to bring with me. I got to bring like eight batteries with me. Cause it'll just be like, if I'm shooting with a flash for two hours, I go through two packs, like, yeah, like fast. Um, and it's very annoying and it always dies in the middle of me needing it the most. So I always have batteries in my pocket and then they fall out and then it's really loud at events. Cause <laughs> sometimes I have batteries in my pocket and I squat down and they all fall out and it's like this giant ruckus. And I'm like, Hey guys, just here to photograph. Um, don't mind me. It's, yeah, my life is an, a constant embarrassment. So, actually, the other day I was doing a shoot and there were some videographers doing the shoot with me. We were both doing the same subject. I was just getting photos, they were getting B roll. And yeah. um, I, it was a very tight space. And I'm trying to take pictures without being in their shot. And they're trying to take video without me being in their shot. And um, there was a lot of stuff on the ground at the place we were at. And I tripped and fell into this shelf. And it was like this huge thing. And they were taking video. <laughs> and then I was just like, oh, hey. Just don't mind me back here being very disruptive to the whole process. Um, it's very, very bad. Um, but that's like a normal day in the life for me. Like if you hire me, I have business insurance, I promise. I'm just very, I'm all over the place. 
No, I'm the same way. I, it's embarrassing how many times I've tripped over my own gear mm-hmm. or I've smacked my head into my umbrellas. Um, I've fallen from like I was lifting my backdrop up and I've fallen off the chair. Oh, wow. In front of clients. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. Or like I think I talked about this in one of the episodes, but there was a, a hot second of life where a lot of seniors wanted to take pictures blowing glitter um in their portraits which is not my favorite thing to do so if you're listening and you hire me please don't make me do that because I'll I'll do it but I just don't want to but anyways and I was like super sweaty because it was like August or something and I had somewhere to be after my shoot um and this girl blows glitter in the last frame I always tell them to do it last in case it gets on them or everywhere same thing with they're trying to pop champagne or whatever in the videos I'm like or the pictures I'm like do it last so that way if it backfires we're done with the photos well she blew glitter and it went straight at me and I was so sweaty because it was August and it all stuck to me and it was just all over me like stuck and I had to go somewhere afterwards and I was like all dressed like ready to go and that was just embarrassing but I'm just like no worries I'm a photographer this is normal that's why I have glitter all over me (laughs) it's a mess no I understand that I um leave my clamps attached to like my clothing Mm. for my backdrops and stuff like and I'll walk I'll leave my house and I'll realize that I still have clamps hanging from my jacket yes yes I put my lens cap in my back pocket of my pants when I'm shooting and more than one time people have been like do you dip like they think it's like (laughs) chewing tobacco and I'm like it's a lens cap but thanks for playing it's funny because like that's so obscure to me I would never ask someone but I've been asked that multiple times so people mind your business do what What like, they need to mind their business. <laughs> I know. I'm just like, that's such a weird question. But, um, well, so what are your favorite brands of like gear that you have? Like, do you have special um, suggestions for what type of strobes that people get or speed lights? Um, sure. Um, for speed lights, I think it's always a good idea to stick with the same brand as your camera. Yeah. To, you know, minimize the um, risk of misfiring. So I think that was my first mistake with ordering um, a speed light that wasn't necessarily my brand. And I'm a Nikon shooter. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Um, and for strobes, it, it they don't have Canon's strobes or anything like right. that. So it's, of course, the first, if you ever Google studio strobes, the first thing that's going to pop up is Profoto. And their basic strobe is a minimum of a thousand dollars and that is you know not practical for a beginner um but i have purchased which one do i have i think it's alan c buff or a yeah alan i think it's alan c buff anyway last name is definitely buff and um he has the alien bees and then he Mm -hmm. also has Einstein's mm-hmm. and the um, alien bees I think are more beginner friendly than his Einstein's um, but those two are very good I think strobes that are not going to give you any problems they're not going to you know clunk out on you after six months they're they're a very good build um, for a good price they're about a third of the price of a pro photo um, I believe the alien bees are about 350 to 400 and that um einsteins are five to 600 and i have an einstein we used alien bees at lsu i know that uh, i don't know if all of them were but that was the brand that they kind of taught us on mm-hmm. um, yeah they're very easy to use because they basically meter every not meter but they put your your power of light in f-stops 
And so it's very easy to control. Yeah. Well, and so tell me how you structure out like your shoots, because when you're in a studio, like you said, you really need to take some test shots and stuff because you're tinkering with all this. So what is like a normal studio shoot like for you? Um, Well, once I get a client, we have a consultation and I figure out what mood they want for their shoot, what they want it to feel like, um, if they're afraid of color or if they want me to give all that color. I learned those details. Mm -hmm. And then from there, um, I'll start putting together a mood board and so that they kind of see where I'm going with this because, you know, like you said, you have to create everything in a studio shoot. And a lot of times clients will get in the studio and they just see all the equipment and they see me put their product in the, in the little setup and they're just like, how is this gonna look like? Cause all they see is this weird jumbled mess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once I figure out the mood and whatever I'm going to do, if it's a product shot, I'll practice with a product similar mm-hmm. to what they're going to bring in. Or if it's a um, portrait session, I usually have to bribe my wonderful boyfriends into sitting for me <laughs> while I test the lightings yeah. for setups. Um, and Actually, I have a fashion shoot coming up in a couple of weeks that I'm doing in this home studio, and I'm working on getting that set put together, and I'm going to make him like do some fashion poses for me. <laughs> He's going to hate it. Well, do you ever get to give the photos to him and show how glamorous he looks? Oh, absolutely. He gets all <laughs> of them. I don't retouch them, but he gets to see all of them, <laughs> <laughs> and he hates it. <laughs> well, so... What are like your your dream clients that you would want to work with? So long term, I would really like to get my skills um, up to par to where I can get booked by big clients like Ulta, mm-hmm. um, Urban Decay, Tarte, Lancome, those really big brands. Um, I would really like to work with you know thriving fashion designers mm-hmm. and. Um, continue to still do stylized portraiture along the way Uh, and you know turning regular portraiture into maybe doing celebrities or whatever but that's really you know long-term big dream thinking um as soon as I get out of Louisiana thinking yeah well I mean I feel like some of those brands on a way smaller scale do exist in Louisiana so Hit, yeah. You know, if you're listening and you have a company that has a product or, or especially in cosmetics or something, hit Amanda up. So I know when we were in college and we were learning lighting, one of our assignments was to always like bring in like magazine photos or advertisements or other photos. And we would have to like map out how we thought the lighting was for that shot. Do mm-hmm. you ever do stuff like that when you're looking through magazines and stuff? Absolutely. So funny story, or I guess what a coinkadink. Um, my degree is in advertising. Uh-huh. I went to school for um, not necessarily graphic design, but the marketing and advertising um, side of things. And so whenever I started photography, my first instinct was advertisement. Everything I'm going to do is for an advertisement. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think before I even started photography, I was kind of subconsciously doing that. But now I do like on a grand scale. I'm like, okay, how far away is that light? How much power is coming out of that light? Is it diffused? I'm breaking everything down. Is it bouncing off of a wall or is it bouncing off of an umbrella? You know, how many reflectors are they using Mm -hmm. on stuff? Yeah, I find that to be a really hard assignment. I mean, even for someone like you who 
does it now, I'm sure it's still difficult sometimes to really see in the photo how you think they did it. Oh, yeah, because I'll think I got it right. And then they'll be lovely enough to show like a behind the scenes shot of what they did. I'm like, oh, I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but I think that goes to show you that there's more than one solution. Or there's more than one setup to get something to look, you know, right. Which is so true. I mean, I always feel that way about like, like Photoshop, for instance, like I've been playing on Photoshop since like fourth grade, I know how to do most everything in there. But the way I do something might not be the way that someone else does something because there's so many ways to to come up with the same end result. Um, In something like Photoshop, Mm -hmm. like if I'm going to create some sort of design or, or cut someone out of a photo or whatever. There's so many different ways you could do it. And so it's interesting to see what other people are doing because we all end up with something similar in the end. Um, but that's kind of why I want to do this podcast too, to, just to hear other creatives, you know, experiences and backstories. Cause it's so interesting to hear when you're doing the same thing, but it's not the same at all. Right. And on the surface, it may look kind of like the same, but it, once you dig in, it's not. Yeah. And I mean, I saw something on Twitter the other day. It was like a time-lapse video of like some guy editing a portrait and the end result. And I was just like blown away because I was like, first of all, I know how to do all that stuff he's doing. But second of all, I don't do half of that work for my end result. And that's what he does for the end result of all his photos. And so it's so interesting because I'm like, the the end result looks good, but I would have never guessed that he'd put that much time into editing and, and removing this and smoothing her skin here and editing all this stuff. And it's like, I know how to do all that, but I don't even do all that when I'm hired to do someone's photos. So it's so interesting to see someone's process for how they think they're doing or how they think they should do something to, to release it. Um, and I guess the same thing, like you said, with this with lighting, like you might put, you might use a three light setup. They might have like a 10 light setup or a one light setup or just a window light or whatever. Right. So I think it's all just learning. Yeah. Yeah. It's all trial and error. Yeah. Um, well, what I was going to ask is like, I, I always hear, and I guess was taught like, you know, with studio lighting, there's like a simple three light setup. Is that like something that, what, that you do like the, the pyramid or whatever? Um, the one that I'm most familiar with is called the clamshell. Okay. I think I've heard uh-huh. of it. And it's basically, it can be a one or two light setup. Um, either if it's going to be a one light, you have your main light above your subjects, uh, kind of either like the sun or completely overhead. Then you have either another light or you have a fill light, um, like a reflector Mm -hmm. underneath the product or subject to bounce that light up Mm -hmm. into their chin or whatever. Um, that's the one that's most common in my practices. I do um, kind of a clamshell and variations of clamshells. Um, I've never heard of the pyramid. Well, I could be making that up completely because I thought that there was like this like typical light setup that was like, you know, one light on each side and then one backlight or one of those in the front. And it was like they were all different strengths and, and heights or whatever. But I could be totally making that up because I don't do studio portraiture. So. Well, that is that is a setup. Um and you can do that with actually one light instead of three. If you have two white V-flats mm-hmm. um, on the sides of your subject and then you have the backlight coming through and it's a large enough backlight to where it's going to fill the entire frame, you can do it with one light. That's instead of having three you know, expensive lights, you just need one. Right. Well, the power of reflectors is pretty amazing. I have a reflector and I hardly ever use it because a lot of times I'm out in the field shooting by myself, so I can't hold it where it needs to be if it's just me shooting. And I end up not needing it by the time I edit. But when I do use it, I'm always so shocked at how 
simple of a difference, I mean, or how simple of a tool it is and how big of a difference it is to use a reflector. I actually have, it was one of my favorite Christmas presents that I got. It's called the iLight and it's basically a U-shaped reflector that sits on a stand and you put it underneath um, your subject, usually a person, and it can fit like one to five people in it. It's huge. Um, And it's basically a giant reflector or like a pool of water that's underneath their mm-hmm. their heads and it just puts this beautiful light back up into their face. And if it's on a stand, you don't have to hold it. Exactly. <laughs> that's my biggest thing is like, I don't ever think I need an assistant for most things, but if I did, it'd be for them to follow me around and hold the reflector. <laughs> and then I would feel bad though, because that's not a job I would want. I don't want to no. sit there with a reflector. So I've, that's when I've resorted also to the studio with stands and clamps and yeah. Well, I remember, too, I went to a, a commercial shoot once, and they were so confused. They were like, do you have a reflector or anything? And I was like, nope. And they were just kind of like, okay. And I think people judge me for how little gear I bring. Um, but it's just what I'm used to doing. So when I do use a reflector, it's a huge difference. But it's just not something I bring often. No, I understand that. Um, when I first started, and I would have people come to the studio, and I would literally just have – the backdrop and a one small speed light. Mm-hmm. They're like, this is it. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, well, you know, I've done, but I made it work. Yeah. And, and I've done really good work, like not to toot my horn, but I've done really good work with just a window or like just a clamp light yeah. or in outside in the shade. And it looks like studio portraiture sometimes. And so there are dupes and, and ways to get by if you can't afford the, um, the gear right off the bat, but it is something I definitely would like to work on is studio stuff. I just don't have a space for a studio at the moment. So it's kind of pointless for me to invest on all this gear that I have nowhere to set up. Um, uh, yeah. but so on that topic, what are some dupes or like, like tricks? And I hate to say the word like hacks, but like, what are some hacks for like people who might want to learn these things, but on a budget? Yeah. Um, I think looking up Felix Kuntz, is that his name? Um, let me look that up. Where's my phone? Yeah, look it up, and I will link it in the show notes, whoever he is. Yeah, I'll type – I'll send you his name so you can type it up. Okay. But I think Felix Kuntz, um, and he has a lot of free education mm-hmm. where you can learn how to use either just one mimicking studio light with a window. Okay. Um, and so if you – if you're a photographer and you're looking at light and you look through a window, it's basically a giant softbox. Right. And so are the clouds on an overcast day. Like if you go shoot on an overcast day, everyone's like, Oh, let it reschedule. It's not sunny. I'm like, no, this is the best thing your skin will ever have because it's going to be so flattering for actually keeping your shoot on this overcast day because you are not going to be sweating because we're in South Louisiana. Yes. You're not going to have ugly shadows on your face. Right. And we're going to have a good time. (laughs) Clouds are the, the natural softbox for the sun. It's the same difference as, as a softbox in a studio, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so whenever I, you know, first moved into my apartment and I realized I was going to turn this stu- this room into the studio, I didn't have anything else yet. I was just using my window. Mm-hmm. Um, but whenever we were moving in here, I made sure to ask the like lady or whatever to have me in a north facing window. Because that's the best kind of that's the best window to have if you're going to be shooting indoors with natural light, because the sun is going to be over your house right. for the majority of the day, and you can have that nice soft natural light. That's smart. That's super smart. Thank you. Do you have so you have windows in your studio though? You said 
I have one big I have one big uh, window that I either block out all the light from mm-hmm. coming in whenever I'm doing studio, or I let some of that in to kind of have some nice still light for ambience. Yeah, I did a whole like two different times shoot for like a style shoot for a magazine with just window light, and they had a you know a seamless paper background, and um, it went so well. And I had so many people inquire later about like studio portraits so like we saw your studio shots i need headshots or i want you to do this and i'm like i don't have a studio they're like then what was that and i was like that was a window with a piece of paper and like a lot of times it is good i mean but it is a studio right it wasn't my studio though yeah um yeah i I love that and so it was so funny it was so flattering someone once told me they wanted to meet up with me or something they were like okay so we can meet at your studio and i was like that's a joke because i have an apartment with the a table and some chairs. It's like, that's my studio. <laughs> but I mean, it could be a studio if you gutted some things out and, you know, replaced. That's true. It with equipment. Cause our spare room was supposed to be, um, my office space. And it kind of is, but now it's like, I'm getting kicked out of here. My office is getting kicked out because I'm taking up so much space with all the equipment. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's totally valid though. Is there something to say about people who have a space, to uh to do all the studio portraits that because like you like we said I guess was you create everything from the ground up in the studio and you just I mean it's infinite possibilities it's kind of overwhelming because it's that blank piece of paper mentality it's like you could do anything but people don't have to know it was in your your bedroom like it's you right. have the same white background that someone at Vogue has you know I mean it could be anything exactly I love um whenever I I follow a couple of um up and coming beauty photographers. Mm-hmm. And they will put photos side by side of each other and like, which one was shot in this, like in a really high end studio and which one of these was shot in my bathroom. Yes. And I'm like, ah, they look the same. And like, that's the amazing part of it. Like it, you can create high quality work without being in those high quality places. You just have to have a little bit of creativity and open-mindedness and be okay with letting strangers into your home all the time. <laughs> well, that's how I feel with the podcast. I'm like, sure, I just met you. Come on over. We'll talk for an hour. <laughs> right. It's content. <laughs> and I've always been really, really paranoid about where I live because I'm, you know, I live alone and I have photography gear and it's, I just don't want people to know where I live. And the podcast, I'm kind of just like trying to vet people ahead of time. Like, okay, I guess you're good enough to come over and interview with me. So if I ever get kidnapped and murdered, then y'all know it's probably someone I interviewed for my podcast, but, uh, (laughs) I think I'm interviewing good people. So I think so. I think you're safe. Yeah. Well, so what's next for you in your business? Like, what are your, your goals besides like those dream clients I talked about? Um, so for, Local business, I'm working to build a rapport with the local, I say local, more like just Louisiana, um, cosmetic brands, Mm -hmm. fashion brands, anything, jewelry. I'm working right now actually to build my jewelry portfolio. I'm working with a couple of um, jewelers out here in Lafayette. I'm really excited about. Um, So I'm just really working to either build up portfolios to meet particular clients. um, And then in the meantime, while I'm working on those commercial projects, I'm booking a lot of portraits mm-hmm. and style portraits. That's exciting. It is exciting. Especially it's, if you just started, you said. I didn't realize you hadn't been shooting that long. Yeah. Um, I'm always worried to tell people that because then they start looking at me either differently or they look at my work differently. I don't know. I'm always afraid to tell people how long I've been shooting. I think it's impressive. I think it's the exact opposite. I think it's like, oh, wow, you've have, you have only been shooting since then. Like, you're so good. Like, I think it's the opposite reaction. Well, thank you so much because – 
you know, we are our worst critics and um, I will sit there and critique my work until no end. And so thank you so much. You're welcome. Well, where can everyone find you, hire you, see your work? Yeah, so I have a website. It is easy to find, www.amandaramer.com. Everything basically is linked to Amanda Raymer. My Instagram, amanda.raymer. My email is hello.amanda.raymer at gmail.com. Those are the best places to find me. But mostly my uh, website is like my portfolio. It is something you can like base. You can get a really good idea of what my work is. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. No, thank you so much, Jordan. I was super nervous. No, don't be. (laughs) It was super fun. We had a lot of good talks. Yeah, no, I think this was a really good episode. And hopefully people listening who are interested in getting into studio photography will have a little bit more um, confidence now to do so with your tips. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because it is very intimidating starting. So if I can help somebody, that's awesome. I'm going to probably take a lot of these tips too. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, y'all, just popping in to give a big thanks to you for listening to this episode of Do What You Want Radio. As always, if you are enjoying what you're listening to, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and follow if you're on Spotify. Show notes for this episode and more can be found at dowhatyouwantradio.com. I am super active on my Instagram account at Jordan Heffler if you're interested in keeping up with me there. And I also have a weekly email newsletter that you can subscribe to at jordanheffler.com slash subscribe. Every Thursday, I send out a tip of the week along with promotional information about my Do What You Want workshop series, online e-courses that help you learn to create authentically branded content that leverage growth on your social media platforms all by yourself. I also have Lightroom presets, merchandise, and just general information about my life and photography business in these email newsletters. Y'all are so awesome for listening. Thank you so much. And until next time, keep doing what you want. (laughs) Did that sound too fake?